Hello and welcome to The Poll Party, Episode 7, brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. My name is Adam Jolly and joining me always is my co-host, Roy Deneen. Hello. How are things going, Roy? Things are great. Uh, you know, just fried chicken day here at EMI. You love to hear it. Yeah, very You really full. do. You really do. As always, Poll Party is brought to you by the IntelliCast Podcast Network and EMI Research Solutions. You can reach... EMI at EMI underscore research on Twitter. Poll Party Pod. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. Rory, what's your Twitter? At research underscore Rory. I love it. Uh, you can also email us if you want to be a guest on the podcast. If there is a poll that you think we may have missed or if you have a reaction to one of the polls that we talk about, you can email us at pollpartypod at gmail.com or you can always leave us a voicemail 312-620-7187. Rory, let's jump into some news. What's going on? Well, first, we have a bit of an impeachment update. We don't have too many polls on this yet, but uh, yesterday uh, was the first hearing uh, or public hearing of the impeachment trial. So we'll we'll stay posted on all those polls and and jump right in once um, we hear about those. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be the big thing is after some people watch. First of all, I don't know how many people are going to be watching. It, yeah. um, it seems almost like a highlight show. You know, <laughs> yeah. I got almost I think a lot of people treat these impeachment polls the way they treat like sports center. They're like, yeah, like I'm not going to watch the entire Kings versus Pacers game, but give me like a 27 seven cl- second clip. Show me some Jim Jordan. Show me some highlight you know, tweets. Yeah. Show me some like, Oh, burn sick burns type stuff. And then uh, bring on Stephen A. Smith to tell me who won. Yep, That's what I really exactly. want, right? Yeah, you want the highlight reel. Yeah. Um, and once those highlight reels really come out, then we'll be able to uh, get some really good polls on that. And uh, you can come here to Poll Party and hear more about those. Um, the next piece of news is a primary update, mainly around Mayor Pete. Um, right after the debate, we saw that um, – Sanders was in third, but now we're looking at an Iowa poll where Mayor Pete is above Sanders. He is winning in Iowa. What do you have to say about that, Adam Jolly? Uh, obviously, I'm excited. Mayor Pete's my man's. Um, <laughs> I, I always talked last week, like that was the reason that we're looking at polls as far as electability uh, above like cause and like issues, things like that. Maybe that's why he wasn't winning. Uh, but yeah, he's pulling at 22% with the recent Monmouth poll. It is a phone poll. Uh, so take for what you want from that. Um, pulling above Biden is at 19, Warren at 18. Actually, Bernie is actually also up. So both uh, Mayor Pete and Bernie up. Um, so it's it's great. I mean, I, I love to see something like a little bit of a shakeup. And if you look at just like uh, different types of polls. And if you look at pre and post what we've gone through the last, you know, six weeks looking at Mayor Pete, he's increased his share with every debate that happens. Yeah. But we've talked about like, was it too big of a hole for him to start to overcome and get above people? And now I think now that we're getting to where like where the rubber means the road and getting into caucuses and, and actually these first things in New Hampshire and, and looking at Iowa, maybe, um, uh, Maybe we were underestimated like how deep the hole was. Maybe it's, it was a lot more shallow than we thought. Yeah, and I, I think it also shows that he's he's almost doing all the right things with his campaign strategy, right? Iowa is a, a very important state. And to kind of be jumping in there and winning votes there is maybe almost more important than the national vote and, and getting primary votes in places like New York um, or any right. other, other states where maybe it's not as hard or easy to get. I guess the one thing that I would think about with Iowa is that um, 
so like on paper, if you were to say, well, the Midwest guy is winning the Midwest caucus yeah. is one thing. But Mayor Pete is also like not very Midwest, right? No. <laughs> like he is the only open, gaily, gay, like presidential candidate that we have, which isn't doesn't exactly scream Iowa to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I think it's impressive that he's winning. Um, I don't think he has to win by like a landslide to make a, a huge impact. I will say like this poll is extremely fluid. Not a lot of the people that were taking this full, I think they only had like 30% or three out of 10 were like very firm in who they knew they were going to vote for. Like they were absolute, uh, but we're a long way away. So I don't know if that's good or bad that only 30% are, are firm with what they want to vote for. And if you're Mayor Pete, what do you think this means for your strategy? Uh, keep on doing what you're doing to me. Yeah. Like if you look at, uh, if you go back and, I'm sure that his people are probably using a lot of 538, like some kind of polling aggregate and see that he is uh, increasing with every debate that the model of votes that he's getting. And you're wondering, like, is it working? Is it working? That's what we've talked about on this podcast. Like, is yeah. it working? Like, does this matter? And then when you get something like a caucus thing in Iowa where you're winning, you'll be like, yes, it's working. This is like it is working. What we're doing is the right thing. And let's double down on this right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now we're going to move on quickly to uh, Twitter. So recently, Twitter banned all political ads. And we're going to kind of run this up versus the Facebook approach, which is completely hands off. They're allowing everything. Um, if you it, it can be fake, it can be real. Um, that's up for you to decide. So there's a poll that's come out on this, right? Yeah, I can tell you more about that one. So in a recent poll done by the Morning Consult, 59% believe or have said they somewhat or strongly oppose to not removing ads at all. And then 77%, 81% of them Democrats and 77% of them Republicans support laws to make all social media ads, not just campaign ads, factual. Um, so a quick fact check before you put it online. Okay. Um, I think that that's interesting. That's a majority of Americans. So majority of people don't mind the ads, but no. they. They're somewhat or strongly opposed not removing ads. Okay. So that means oppose not. That's like the double negative. I don't yeah. understand. So that means they, they want the ads, but they want it to be fact checked before yes. they're put on. Yes. Okay. Um, why do you think that is? That seems stupid to me. Not stupid. That's a strong word. Sorry, 59% of Twitter voters. Um, no, it just, to me, uh, I, I wonder what the intention is, uh, why people would like to see more ads. Um, because do people go to ads to form their political beliefs? That's what this would tell me. That people want to see yes. the ads. They want them to be fact-based. It will help them make their decision on who they're going to vote for. But I feel like most people that do see these ads are looking at them and kind of taking them to heart, maybe, a yeah. maybe a little too much. Right. right. Um, and if you read something on Facebook, people these days do make opinions on Facebook. Sure. Right. It's not like people are watching TV ads as much anymore, especially um, the younger age range. The people who are just starting to vote. They're not watching TV, they're looking at social media all day. And so if they're looking at social media, maybe they are learning yeah. from the ads that are um, being put out there. Right. And so if something says vote yes on this issue, if they give three decently good reasons, they're probably going to believe them rather yeah. than going somewhere else to make sure that that's true or reading about the other side. Is that the right way to do it? 
Probably not. But that is almost the world we live in where we kind of jump on the first thing we see. Yeah, I think uh, I think a different if there is part one of the questions on the poll, if, if when they're surveyed was, do you what is the number one way that you learn about a candidate? Or if you were to ask them, like, do you rely on television or online ads to learn more about your candidates? They would probably say no. Right. Like, I don't think that I don't even know if that's true, but I think there is a stigma that if you can be persuaded. So when you put the word advertising on it, you're automatically coming up with some kind of persuasion type article. And I don't think anyone wants to ever admit that they're being persuaded to feel a certain way. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but at the same time, with the way that this is worded, they're, they are basically admitting that they would like to see an ad that is fact based that will persuade them to view to vote for somebody. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's where that's where I met when I said stupid earlier. That's yeah. where I, met. I went too far, but that's what I meant. I think the most important thing is that we remain educated and informed and that we're always reading into it, right? I don't necessarily know that everything's going to be changed and cleared up by making everything factual because at the same time, no matter what an ad says, you still need to read. Yeah, you got to read. That was good. <laughs> That's that's what I get from this. Um, moving on. So the next thing we're going to take a look at is a Noble Magazine article. This m- article talks about how election polls aren't broken, but aren't a great predictor of the future. Um, they're not predicting the future. And this is due to the reasons that and it, it kind of jumps into um, our past looking at um, the 2016 election Um and elections that have not necessarily been completely predicted by polls. Um, They bring up reasons such as swing voter and skewed sample. Um, But I'm interested to hear what Adam Jolly has to say about these polls. Yeah, I mean, I I think this article in a roundabout way wants to talk about how polls aren't broken. They just shouldn't be the scapegoat for when things go differently than what we thought. Yeah. Um, And I think that we look for, you know, if you go back to the presidential election of 2016, uh, even our, our president was saying, well, the, the polls were all wrong, the polls were all wrong. Well, I think what he was talking about, there were national popularity polls yeah. to where if you went by those gen pop, like voter counts, like then he lost, right? And maybe the polls weren't that off, but he's president. And so he can point at that when, you know, the electoral college, all that jazz. Um, so I think that polls be started to become the scapegoat for things. And like you mentioned, like margin of error is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and and there is skewed sample and the world is getting so much more tribal and drawn out. And so when you, you it's hard to be more representative. Right. And that's what we talk about swing voters. We've talked about the Frank Lutz, you know, only six percent of really matter um, as far as who's going to be the voter, things like that. So I don't think polling is broken. It's just the math to come up with what is the significance of the numbers in the poll might be a little bit broken. Yeah. And I think you also have to take in account. Um, and one of the things they said in this article is that polls aren't there completely just to tell you what's going to happen. Nobody can tell you what's going to happen, but they're a snapshot of public opinion. And that's a yeah. word for word quote. And I, I really like that because I felt like that kind of that's what happened during that particular poll. And every single poll is different. And that, right. that would also the election is completely different based on what happened in that moment or um, what people are saying or who we're interviewing. Um, so it's important to keep that in mind when looking at polls and to not 
stray away, but still take sure. the information um, importantly. Um, and so one of the things that Adam Dietrich has talked about on this podcast was the hybrid methodology. And I also think that that's important to know that there's different methodologies out there and we have to bring in those all those different ways of polling um, in order to get the best message and really understand what we're looking at. I think that, yeah, that's a big thing. And I think that was something that really harped at APOR this year. Yeah. So forever, like um, when I would look at going to APOR, I was always kind of told like, eh, you're probably not going to be welcome there. It's yeah. a lot of phone like companies and most polls are phone polls. We even did a phone poll earlier today, that Monmouth poll. Uh, but this year was the first year. I remember, you know, Dynata speaking at a company, Taluna was represented at it. And so like more people are doing online. If you look at in the last couple of polls, um, Republicans will point in the last presidential election to like Rasmussen and Drudge Report and like those type of more online based polling companies uh, when really it probably is a hybrid between the two. Yeah. Because I think uh, push polls like you would see like on a front page of a news organization or like a lot of what Drudge does is a snapshot of that point in time. Yeah. Uh, and so I think if you take that along with a more thought out phone approach, along with a more like looking at the behavior and, you know, waves of waves of online over, you know, some kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for when something goes over a long piece of time? Ethnography. Yes. Got it. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so I've got an ethnography approach. And then like then you could come up with something. But for so long, like we've been married to one methodology with polling. We've been married to one type of representation we've been married to one type of like this voter is going to vote this way and it's just not like that anymore you know the entire world is is becoming an online world right slowly um and i think there is going to be a transition period with all industries including the polling industry um so it's important to keep informed and, and learn more about it as we transition i love it the next thing we're going to transition to is the Kentucky Finally. governor elections race, something Finally. near and dear to the Kentucky native's heart. Um, this was a very, very close poll or um, election, actually. Yeah. The results remain unconfirmed. I repeat that. The results remain unconfirmed. I know what I believe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> This year won the election by roughly 5K votes. I should not say won. He has more votes is all we can say right now. Sure. Um, And the last poll by Trafalgar Group had Bevan plus five with likely voters. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, to me, this is uh, one of the more proud moments that I've had as being a Kentucky-born person, and um, that I always believe, no matter what, you always pick substance over party, and like you should go policy over party for everything. And if you look at this, and I think the immediate thought afterwards when Bevan like, was lost or whatever, people started reporting this is like, is this a change? Should this be a panic? For the Republican Party, because Bevin had aligned himself so closely with President Trump, um, and then quick to point out that every other election in the state of Kentucky was won by the GOP, and like it was a landslide faction, um, and so people really campaigned against this person. Like they were like, we don't want this person. We don't care what the letter is after his name, what color the county is going to be painted. It's policy over party. And so if you look at it, like even um, you know, traditionally uh, the northern, you know. 
the only states, the only counties in Kentucky that are traditionally blue are Jefferson and Fayette, and that's where Lexington and Louisville are. Um, and then a lot of times, like everything else is red. And you might get some of Campbell County, which is northern Kentucky, closer to Cincinnati. Uh, but they, you know, was they got Boone County, and you know, and and it became more of a getting country companies like or counties like that to be blue, getting some more representation in Eastern. Um, I was watching following throughout the night and, you know, Bevan would win a County um, like Pike County, which is in Eastern Kentucky, very coal heavy type thing. And the coal industry has been detrimental. A lot of that is because of Bevan and Bevan still won the County, but he only won by five. And like a poll, a poll list will say, well, um, in order for him to win, he kind of needed to win this by like 18 to 20%. Yeah. Um, and so it was, um, to me, it was great. Um, I and I again, I don't know if, I don't know if Bashir won or Bevan lost. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, um, I, I thought that this was just huge, and I know they're doing the recanvassing today, um, which is what is it, the fourteenth? Um, but the AP has already kind of said that you know Bashir is going to win. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about the polls, like some of those numbers in depth, Roy. Yeah, let's let's jump into the numbers. Bashir had a huge majority with minorities. That's a fun sentence to say. Majority of minorities. <laughs> and a 57% of women voters. He also had 50% or greater of voters with wither under 20K or over 50K in income. Bashir carried educated people, some college or more, 53% or higher. And Bashir had 16% of Republican voters. That's huge. They get 16% of Republican voters. That's what I'm talking about with like choosing the policy over party. I will say, you know, I know Bevin got the majority of people that consider themselves Christians on a lot of these, um, but that kind of sticks to me because Bevin. Bevin was losing. If you followed the campaign at all, and some of the polls that were going like, I don't know, Trafalgar did something. You can find some of the uh, real opinion, real politics thing out there. But and you notice like when he would shift to topics a lot. So like it started out where Bevin was all in um, on education because famously Bevin cut the pensions for Kentucky education and wanted to shift to more of like a charter school type program in Kentucky. Yeah. And when he started to lose out, he went and jumped into the um, safety. Um, more border controls and having sanctuary cities. And people are just like, eh, there's really no sanctuary cities in Kentucky. This is a dumb idea. So then he shifted over to the sports gambling because obviously Kentucky is a lot of horse racing. There's a lot of gambling there. They have the facilities already. When that started to lose out, he shifted over. I mean, he just was constantly shifting things to where by the end, what he ran off over the last 14 months of the election was values. Like he stopped with everything else and like the actual policy and all like the, and, and went to values. And so then that's why I think it's known a surprise that majority of the Christians, because I think Christians vote on those values yeah. for a lot of things that they're doing. At the same time, a lot of values aren't uh, constitutional, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or there's been Supreme Court rulings like to have like how we govern against those values. And so when you have somebody like Bevin, who's basically campaigning solely on the fact that he's close to Trump and that uh, Bashir is for abortion to where I don't know if the governor of Kentucky has anything to do with upturning Roe versus Wade or getting a sway in the political beliefs of the Supreme Court justices and the years and years that it would take in court to shift that moment. But <laughs> that's what he decided to run on. And uh, if you look in the polls, I, I feel like that's why you see the majority of people that were Christians or really vote with a belief rather than vote on a policy. I think this did is, I get a little preachy there? Yeah. I, I you know. know what? Go this for Kentucky, it. Kentucky, man. 
Go for it. Me. No, I, I think it's a very interesting race and it's interesting to watch. I think it, it kind of says a lot about what's going to happen in the United States in the upcoming year um, on a larger scale. Um, and it, it kind of just speaks to how a lot of the nation is feeling right now overall. Um, yeah. Kind of that, you know, going on your uh party or for policy. Um, I think that's a good point to continue to make. Yeah. And that's, I mean, to be honest, I mean, every party is guilty of it though. I know like I'm kind of trash and Devin right now because of doing, going all in on abortion, but like a similar thing, like if Bashir were to only focus on, you know, Trump's um, unlikability and that he was going to do some kind of gun control. Right. Yeah. It's a similar type thing. Like, okay, so so you are going to campaign that you're fr- friends or against the president and you're going to campaign that you're going to up you're going to overturn the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Like, no, the governor of Kentucky yeah. isn't big enough to do that. It's going to take years and years and be your grandchildren by the time something happens to that. And so whenever you find yourself going on. I always find it telling no matter what the party is that takes it. If you find yourself solely running or really promoting a cause or something that is going to be impossible for you to really have the influence on, you're kind of grabbing, grabbing straws there. So, I mean, I I think if anyone that was really following the race, if you would have looked at some of the political ads or you would have looked at, you know, listened to some of the some of the key points that they were doing at debates, you would have told that Bevin was desperate like a month in. That's all I got. Sorry, Bevin, but you're out of my life now. <laughs> Now we're going to take a look at the poll of the week. The poll of the week is a Gallup poll on Americans' trust in the media and perceived bias in news, both nationally and locally. Um, this is a really cool comparison um, that I had never really thought about. And taking a look at this poll, you can see that local news found less bias in general and views vary amongst political parties. Did you take a look at this poll and what did you think? I did. And I the biggest thing that got to me was that first bullet point you said that local news was found less biased in general than national news. And I believe that there is some psychology here in the local anchorman. And that we believe that our local news and the anchorman, the people that read us those news, are representative of our area. And they came up in the same type of background as us. They go to the same gas stations as us. And so we believe them and they, we believe that they have less bias and they're more like us than the national news. And like, and that's why I think it's very rare for like America to have like a America's sweetheart anchor man <laughs> or maker yeah. woman, you know, like, you know, Tom Brokaw uh, was that type of person, but like America was never all in on, you know, um, what's the guy, uh, Williams, right? That the guy that made up everything? Said yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you who. I mean, I know Lester Holt because he's my man. Yeah. But like, I, I there's not a whole lot of like national thing. And that, but that's also why like um, people fall in love with these morning shows and things like that too. Because like when you do find someone that you can trust, you feel like grew up in the same area as you, or you know has some kind of relatability. Like they can make a, a million dollars. What do you think? I think the news is an interesting thing, right? Because everybody's going to believe that whatever they're watching or whatever they like to watch and whoever they trust yeah. is not biased, right? Because you want them to be right. You want them to tell you what you want to hear. Um, so I think it really is hard to find something that's not biased. And I think that that's where it draws in the parts that says that they, the views vary amongst political parties, right? Because um, if you're watching something that you follow, you're yeah. going to believe it's unbiased, right? You want it to yep. be unbiased. Um, and I, I think I like the point that you make about um, 
it's your local. They go to the same stores as you. They know what, you know, when you mention what high school you went to, they know what high school that is. Right. Um, there's something you can believe in that, in that um, they're a real person. They, uh, they can, their kids can go to your kid's school and yeah. you can be best friends with them. And so they can't be wrong. They can't be biased. Um, and they believe what you believe because they're from the same background as you are. That's, um, yeah. Like, like Bill Hemmer is a Cincinnati guy. And now he's on Fox News. And so when I watch him on Fox News, I always think, like, oh, that guy went to Elder. You know, like he yeah. he knows a little bit. We kind of can relate to him there. Uh, or nationally, I don't think you have that everywhere else, right? Yeah. I don't know. You're from New York. The world is your <laughs> national news. I get it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> We're going to move to the quiz of the week. All right. My favorite part of the program every single time. Yeah, it's always fun. This time we're going to move to, um, it's now a play. It was a movie. Um, one of Tina Fey's Mean Girls. We're going to find out what kind of plastic or which plastic from Mean Girls you're most like based on the meals that you plan. So food and Mean Girls. I got Regina George. Not very proud of that, but. I'm going to take my, are. I don't remember my answers. I do know what I got the last time. Maybe I hope I get the same one again. Okay, let's do it. What is for breakfast? We got some avocado toast with a little piece or a fried egg right on top. We got some French toast. We got some toast with some fruit on it, as well as toast with more fruit on it. Yeah, I think. It's different I don't kinds know of French the toast. Difference of, there's a lot of French toast. Uh, I'm going to go with the non-fruited French toast. Just straight butter. Yeah, that's how I am. That, that was my, that's my middle name, straight butter. Okay, it's lunchtime now. Uh, what are you eating? A panini, some tacos, a salad with avocado and chicken, or a nice juicy burger with French fries? Burger with French fries. I think I'm going to get a different score this time. Ugh. <laughs> What a day. Now it's time for dinner. What's on the menu? Some pasta. It looks like a light pasta, not a heavy red sauce pasta. Yeah. Um, and then a pasta. It looks more like a meat sauce. A boulonnaise. Oh, think, there you go. Yeah, you know. Fancy. Uh, <laughs> then we have a salmon. It kind of looks like a surf and turf kind of thing. And then we've got some steak. I want a steak. Yeah. Snack time. We got some Oreos. It doesn't look like there's milk, which would be a key portion for yeah, me. But I think they're double stuffed. Yeah, that's also very important. <laughs> um, some potato chips, some fruit, or some popcorn. It looks like no butter on the popcorn, honestly. Yeah, I don't like popcorn. I'm going to go with chips because they kind of look like kettle chips. Oh, those are the best. Yeah. Now it's dessert time because who doesn't eat a snack and then dessert? Always. Salt, something salty, something sweet. Uh, first, we have a strawberry cupcake. It's got a strawberry on top of it. We got some donuts, maybe some Holtman's for those Cincinnati fans. Oh, yeah. Some uh, strawberry ice cream. A lot of strawberry going on here. Yeah. And then a chocolate sundae. Kind of looks like a chocolate mousse sundae. I want a donut. I love donuts, man. Oh, I love donuts. Ugh. More sprinkles, the better. I don't even know what they taste like. What's to drink? We got a glass of wine. It looks like a latte, one of those fancy lattes where they do the latte art. Right. A smoothie or some fruit water? Uh, Wine. 
I agree. I feel like that's the best one. I got a different answer this time than I got the last time. Interesting. Last time I got Katie from uh, from Africa, the main like Lindsay Lohan character. And this time I got Gretchen Wieners. It's so weird to me. Just like your food choices, you are so fetch. Oh, don't try to make fetch a thing. I hate it. Man, I liked it better when I was Katie. I thought she was the coolest. I consider myself a mathlete. All right, that's a okay. lot. That's a lot. That's yeah, a lot go. of mean girls jokes. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ray. And you got who did you get? Regina George, the, mm. the bully. Yeah, you are. You bully yourself right through this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for episode seven of the Poll Party Pod. Um, as always, we're brought to you by the IntelliCast Podcast Network and EMI Research Solutions. You can find us on Twitter, EMI underscore Research Poll Party Pod. Adam Jolly and re- and Research underscore Rory. Yeah, don't forget the underscore. I think that's why people are not following me. That, man, whoever has researched Rory without the underscore is just swimming in followers, <laughs> just swimming in the DMs. Uh, you can also email us, pollpartypot at gmail, or leave us a voicemail, 312-620-7187. Rory, anything to add before we say goodbye? No, I'm ready to say goodbye. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll see you at the poll party. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.